figurine. Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Alex. And I'm Anthony. And my first story is space news. Yeah, if you hear, like, a weird sound or, like... <laughs> Whooshing. A, a rumbling, uh, it's because we're recording in the middle of a torrential downpour and thunderstorm. So, mm-hmm. uh, and we're right under a roof. So, yep. just... So that, that's why. That might be happening. Uh, this is from CNN, and the headline is, Saturn's moon Titan is rapidly migrating away from the planet. Really? Mm-hmm. That's, this is the opposite of what we talked about right. with, uh, <laughs> with Mars, Mars moons. Deimos, right? Yeah, was, uh, and Phob- Phobos. Yes. Is gradually One going towards Phobos the planet. Phobos is gradually go- yeah. going towards it, yeah. Um, Titan, Saturn's largest moon, is moving away from its planet a hundred times faster than previously established, according to a new study. So they knew it was moving away. They thought it was much slower than it is. Hmm. Uh, the giant moon isn't alone in this behavior. Other moons among the 150 known moons in our solar system, and keep that keep that number in your head because it's going to come up later. A hundred? Uh, 150 known oh, moons okay. in our solar system are also slowly distancing themselves from the planets they orbit, including our own moon. What? A bunch of, not all 150, really? but we know of a lot of moons that are doing this. Hmm. Earth's own moon moves about 1.5 inches away each year, according to NASA, which obviously is very small <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, but yeah. it's still like a measurable amount. Huh. Um, this is caused by the moon's gravity tugging on the planet, which creates a temporary bulge in the planet, obviously too small for us to perceive, but significant enough apparently to create energy that pushes the moon further away. I don't fully understand what? how that works. I don't know if CNN fully understood how that works. <laughs> But uh, that's what they said, so I'm sticking with it. Okay. Um, data collected during NASA's Cassini uh, Huygens. Oh boy, I looked this up before and everything. It's H U Y G E N S. It's apparently a Dutch name or Danish. I don't know. It was some Northern European name, hmm. and I saw like everything from like Huygens. I tried like looking up pronunciation guides, and it was like Huygens, and so I okay. I don't know how to say it. Okay. But that mission to study Saturn and some of its moons has revealed that Titan's migration rate equals about four inches per year. Again, very small in the grand scheme of things, but still measurable. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, Saturn has eighty-two moons that we know of. That's a lot. That's, uh, so, like, remember I high. said 150 moons known in the solar system? 82 of those belong to Saturn. <laughs> Which, if you ask me, it's pretty greedy. <laughs> I wonder if the reason Saturn has rings is be- also related to how many moons it has. Yeah, maybe it used to have a whole bunch more and they just all exploded. Yeah, and became Kinda the like rings. Kind of like how Mars, how yeah, that Mars story. Maybe, maybe it, that is what There's happened. There's probably something there, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Titan, which is larger than the planet Mercury, a thing I also didn't know, uh, orbits Saturn at a distance of 759,000 miles away from its surface. Oh, wait. Okay. If Titan is bigger than Mercury... Yeah. Then why... Are Venus and Mercury aren't Venus and Mercury like about the same size or no? Is Mercury? I thought Venus I Mercury was smaller. Venus is bigger than Mercury. Mercury Why? is, I think, the smallest planet now that Pluto is no longer considered a planet. So if a, a, a celestial body orbits around the sun, that makes it a planet, right? I think it has to independently orbit around a star to be a planet. Okay. 
and then has a nothing moon to do with the size. orbits around a another body, I guess. Even though there's literally a planet-sized object orbiting around another planet in this case. Hey, I'm I not the know. one who makes the rules. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm, I know. I'm just trying to make sure. I'm just trying to make sure I understand. <laughs> I'm just kind of a reporter. I'm learning a lot of things here. <laughs> um, yeah, so so did I. I love space facts. Uh, half the half the story is just space facts. Um, it's the only <laughs> known moon with a considerable atmosphere, and the only planetary body in addition to Earth with liquid rivers and lakes on its surface. Which I did. I did actually oh. know that. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Um, I don't huh. think they're water. I think it's another liquid. It's like, I think it's something that's, I'm pretty sure it's Nitrogen a much colder, a much colder atmosphere, which makes sense because it's so much further from the sun. So it's, I don't remember if it's like methane or something like mm. liquid methane. I don't remember. Don't quote me on yeah, that. Yeah. I think if it was water, I probably wouldn't, we probably would all know if there's another, if there's a moon with like rivers right. of actual water <laughs> in our solar system. It's like, hey, system. why are we looking for planets? We got a moon right here. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. We can go there. We can go Just live go there. to that one. Right. Um, in 2026, NASA will send the Dragonfly mission to further investigate Titan, and that will arrive at the moon by 2034. So it takes eight years for it to get there Ooh. from Earth, which is probably why we're not colonizing it, besides the whole not water thing. Hmm. Uh, the Mars rover... It's a it, the Mars rover sized drone. It's a drone the size of one of the Mars rovers. We'll be able to fly through Titan's thick atmosphere for about two and a half years. Um, so it's going to like enter the atmosphere and it'll be able to stay in there for about two and a half years. Okay. Um, the ultimate goal is for Dragonfly to visit an impact crater, presumably one they like know of, so they're targeting it, uh, where they believe that important ingredients for life mixed together when something hit Titan in the past. Uh, Lori Glaze, director of NASA's Planetary Science Division in 2019, when the mission was announced, said, Titan has the key ingredients for life. It has complex organic molecules and the energy required for life. We will have the opportunity to observe processes similar to what happened on early Earth when life formed and potentially conditions that could harbor life today. So they think this mission could allow them to see like what it what kind of conditions there were like on earth when life first formed. Mm -hmm. And it's possible that there's some kind of life there now, though, obviously given the conditions, it would be much different than probably yeah. anything we've seen on earth. It's probably like uh, microscopic kind yeah, of stuff. Right. Yeah. But it's pretty cool. So Ooh. there's a whole bunch of information on Titan for you that you didn't, yeah, need, that I, you didn't know you needed. I learned so much. <laughs> 82 moons. That's so many. Spread the love. Do we know? Give us, give us a couple. We only got one. We, yeah, yeah, we only have one. Like Don't send Titan. Anything. That will probably throw us out of orbit or something. Yeah, <laughs> something but catastrophic. But do we? I wonder if we like know a lot of details about all those moons. It's so many. I don't know. I think there's. I can't remember if it's Jupiter or Saturn, where there's like four big ones that we know, like that we've studied. I think. I think it's Jupiter. That's Jupiter. That has like that has, Io and Europa yeah, and right, right. I've heard of those. Ganymede. And oh, what's the fourth one? Oh, yeah. If you can think I'm of the so fourth close. one off your head, that's pretty impressive. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll come to me later. All right. My first story is entertainment news. This is from comicbook.com. The headline is Game of Thrones fans can compete against the mountain actor in a bizarre new reality show. Oh, spoiler, you lose every single time. Like, what do you... Yeah, what? <laughs> the man's called the mountain for a reason. Um, okay, if you don't know about this guy, his name's Hafthor Bjornsson. Um, 
Such and, a good name. I know. It's it's so epic. And uh, he is developing, I guess, a television show or something called Beat the Mountain. <laughs> um, and it's uh, to put people out there who believe they could stand up to him to the test. Um, elite athletes will compete in bouts of strength and endurance against him. <laughs> And in case you didn't already know this, uh, Bjornsson is one of the strongest men in the world and has won numerous strongman titles in various like competitions and stuff. Right. Um, Bjornsson spoke to Entertainment Weekly about this reality show, and he said this, It is totally original, and Spoke Studios has been great to work with. This will be a show unlike anything else that the whole family will be able to watch together <laughs> and enjoy. I can't divulge all the details about the show, but I can promise you people will love it. <laughs> okay i i I'm, I'm intrigued i don't know uh, sure um, bjornson is also preparing for a boxing match against his rival eddie hall who i hadn't heard of before this yeah same um they have beef i guess that stretches back a little ways and this boxing match is now being billed as the heaviest boxing match of all time <laughs> um <laughs> and that's going to take place um in Las Vegas in September of 2021 and he's already training for it now and like planning for it and stuff um, that sounds dangerous. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, and then all of this is coming after Bjornsson set the world record for the deadlift uh-huh. this year. Uh-huh. He lifted uh, 501 kilograms or 1,104.5 pounds and set the world record for a deadlift. I mean, so. my record's like 105 pounds. So, you know, yeah, like you could, you, you'd apply for the show, right? Like yeah. the strongman, like, no. wait, wait, no, what was it called? beat the mountain the reality show <laughs> you know it's a good thing you're not we're not challenging him on like creative use of words or <laughs> painting <laughs> there i feel like what more if, people like, would have a better chance yeah. against <laughs> what if the reality show like everyone assumes it's going to be like physical challenges <laughs> and it's, it's like a like, mix of like, yeah. and, like, <laughs> it's like maybe like one physical thing and one like singing. painting and sing <laughs> yeah it's like remember the lyrics or something random like that. and it's just mix like <laughs> that actually would be very entertaining see this I, that, that i would sign on for if it's just a bunch of people yeah. who are going to be repeatedly beaten by the strongest person <laughs> in the world at physical challenges just i don't know yeah so we'll see it, I don't think they said when it was going to be t- going to like come out. It just basically was announcing that he was working on it. I think. Okay. My next story is world news. This is from Ars Technica. Thirteen thousand three hundred year old Chinese bird figurine found in a rubbish heap. Whoa! Yep. It was a, in a rubbish heap. <laughs> just in a pile of trash. No. <laughs> Where all the best archaeological finds are. <laughs> you probably don't don't think about that oh, too much because it's probably true. It's probably you know how many artifacts have been just accidentally been thrown away, tossed in the garbage, just like since forever. Yeah, I'm sure it's happened many oh, times for sure. But what can um, you do? So the figurine is a small songbird about 19.2 millimeters long, standing on a pedestal. It's carved from a burned, blackened fragment of animal bone. Hmm. Whoever created it was probably a hunter-gatherer living in, uh, at Lingjing in northern China near the end of the last ice age. Wow. So, very That's long very, time ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in 1958, a few years before archaeologists realized how much of the past lay buried at Lingjing, um, construction crews dug a well about five meters down, scooping out sediment that had accumulated during the end of the last ice age. 
The diggers piled all the dirt up nearby without paying much attention to the artifacts that were mixed in with it. Because this wasn't the only oh. thing in it. So this is, it's not like a it wasn't, this literal wasn't like pile in, of trash, This wasn't like someone's trash that somebody right. happened to find an artifact and it was like, it was they were just digging up an dirt and they were not looking. And, right. Which I probably see. actually happens even more often. Yeah, yeah I'm sure that, yeah. <laughs> um, so when Shandong University archaeologist uh, Zanyang Li and colleagues found the pile in 2005, they realized that they'd been quite lucky. Normally, the well digging would have mixed together artifacts from different layers, making it impossible to tell where, uh, when anything had come from. Hmm. Uh, but the 1958 crew happened to dig their well in a part of the site where nothing had been buried since the Paleolithic Age. So they just got oh. really lucky. Wow. <laughs> Essentially. Uh, the oldest known carvings um, like on Earth are small people and animals carved from mammoth ivory around 40,000 years ago in Central Europe. So that's like the oldest wow. known like sculpture that yeah. we've found. Um, but we don't know uh, yet for sure whether the idea of carving 3D figures popped up independently at different times and places or whether it started in one place and spread as people migrated around the world. Mm. Uh, the bird seems to be a hint that people in Eastern Asia invented their own art forms. Uh, and Lee and colleagues said that it may be the first known instance of an original artistic tradition, or in other words, the figurine is carved from a different material using different techniques and in a different style than anything archaeologists have found in Western Europe or Siberia, where like people are known to have lived in that time period. So mm -hmm. they think this might have developed independently. And the article wow. goes into a lot more detail about the actual process of the thing. They like they heated this bone at a low temperature for a long time because apparently if you heat up bone too quickly, it just breaks. Oh. Um, but in this case, they like heated up very slowly to make this like car more carvable substance, I guess. I'm not really sure why hmm. they did it. Um, but it hints at the fact that like, this is not something they like accidentally did. It would have taken practice and like trial and error to realize mm -hmm. it was something that they could even do, which means that this technique is probably even older than 13,300 years. Wow. Um, uh, yeah. That's incredible. Archaeology. <laughs> that is so cool. There's probably more sculptures like that around that area. Oh, yeah. Well, they, it sounded like the, um, the, this pile was also filled with like some primitive tools and that kind of thing. Oh. But that was similar to like similarly aged items found in that area of China as well. So that's kind of how they knew mm -hmm. that it was from that same period of time. That makes sense. And they, I mean, they carbon dated it as well. But yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's so cool. Yeah, it's really awesome. How cool would it be to like find an artifact like that? Ugh. I've never even found like an arrowhead or something. I know, me either. I've like, always wanted to find an arrowhead. Hasn't everybody has everybody found an arrowhead already? Is that why they're are they all gone? I think they're all gone. <laughs> They've all, all been found. found. Mm. I've always wanted to find an arrowhead that, yeah. and and like bring it to a museum and right, be and like, like I found this. I found this for you and yeah. they're like we've got some of these already. But, but I would feel you. so I feel like good. Lara Croft but much more low stakes. <laughs> My next story is also world news. This is from UPI. The headline is, Airport Parking Garage Becomes Drive-Through Art Gallery. That's such a clever idea. Yup. An airport parking garage in Germany has been converted into a drive-through art gallery, displaying about 300 works in a way that complies with coronavirus-inspired social distancing guidelines. The Cologne-Bonn Airport parking garage was transformed into a gallery displaying paintings, sculptures, and other works of art to visitors who just drive through it. 
The artworks from about 50 different artists are displayed on luggage carts and arranged in the uh, aisles. So you, you just like drive through and you can look from your car. So cool. Uh, uh, the exhibition, which was organized by art gallery owners from uh, both Munster and Dusseldorf, was designed to allow artists to show their works to the public amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, because, you know, a lot of like galleries and stuff had to be closed and mm-hmm. there's just a lot of businesses down, you know, right. um, the loosening of lockdown guidelines has allowed for galleries and museums to reopen, but social distancing measures and mask requirements remain in place. So they'll probably still have this there for yeah. a while, but yeah, I feel like the social distancing has got to be hard to enforce in a place like a museum. What are you going to oh, do? Yeah. Like lead like, everyone through in a line? Like that's kind of counter to the whole. Right. Idea. Exactly. It's, it's, <laughs> the point of a space like that is you're supposed to be able to kind of like wander freely. And right. so when you explore have to explore and you don't want to like get stuck behind somebody who's pondering a piece of art. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. For 10 so, minutes. They're like, I want to see what's over there. There's definitely <laughs> challenges with right. that for sure. So I thought this was super clever. Yeah. I'm like, I would totally go to a drive through art museum. Yeah. Like, doesn't that sound fun? <laughs> I hope all the arts like large. <laughs> we have to bring binoculars. So. You're bringing <laughs> like binoculars. an art safari. <laughs> <laughs> or they would just have to put it like really close to where your car is, I guess which like, is kind of maybe dangerous. Seems dangerous but, for the art. Yeah. I don't know. They didn't have a lot of photos of it, but yeah. I would go to one. Yeah. I want to check one out. Mm-hmm. My next story is science news. This is from CNN. Former astronaut becomes first person to visit both space and the deepest place in the ocean. What? <laughs> That's pretty epic. Like, can yeah, they're the, they've been the highest up and the in the lowest down. <laughs> That's that is very epic. Usually, cool. you do one of those things. I guess I don't know if this if she's been to the moon. So I guess that would technically be the highest that humanity has gone. Mm. We're talking height as in from the center of the earth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, for measuring height as in. It becomes complicated any dir- when there's a sphere. <laughs> any, any direction away from the center of the earth yes. is height in this case. Yeah. So sh- but she's been the closest you can get currently to the center of the earth, I believe. I don't think there's anywhere like on land. Is this or the anything. Mariana Trench? Yeah, it's like the deepest part of the Mariana Trench. Mar- <laughs> the deepest part of the Mariana Trench. Uh, so just eight people have vi- have reached Challenger Deep, which is the deepest point in the ocean and in the Mariana Trench. Uh, more than 550 people have visited space, which seems like a lot, but also oh. isn't really that many. Only one person has done both. And that's Kathy Sullivan. Uh, on Sunday, the NASA astronaut and oceanographer visited Challenger Deep, which sits at a depth of 10,928 meters or 35,853 feet. That is so <laughs> far down in the ocean. In the Western Pacific Ocean. Oh, that's yeah. like scary. It's yeah, to it's think about. it sounds terrifying. I I only pulled out a few select bullet points from this article. It's pretty the actual article itself is pretty long and they go into like detail of her history and kind of like the preparations and stuff for making a trip like this. Mm-hmm. Um so on Sunday Sullivan prepared for her Challenger Deep mission with fellow scientist Victor Vescovo, who is the founder of undersea technology company Caledon Oceanic and a decorated explorer himself. Among his many accomplishments, Vescovo is the first person to have visited the top of every continent, 
both poles and the deepest point in the ocean. He's been to the, the very highest point on every what continent, is the t- apparently. Oh, like the highest point. Yeah. I was like, what, what, the is the top, what does the top of every con- continent mean? <laughs> the the northern mean like the northernmost point? point? Or is it... Because <laughs> that's what I was thinking at first. I'm like, that's kind of a strange goal in life, but... That's <laughs> <laughs> so specific. Yeah, he's just, like the highest He's point. been to the highest point. Okay. So he's climbed all the big mountains. Um, that's very impressive. Right? That's, <laughs> yeah. That's kind of insane. Uh, limiting factor is the name of the submersible vehicle that brought them to the bottom of the ocean, which I really like. Uh, and it carries its own life support and features a 90 millimeter thick titanium sphere, which protects the explorers from the 2,200 2, metric tons of pressure amassed at the bottom of the ocean. Oh, I know yeah. it's so much, so much pressure. And it's like, it sounds so scary, but they were saying in the article too, it's like, this doesn't re- really actually require that much preparation, like on the part of the person doing it. It's not like a space mission where you actually need to be in good shape or anything. Yeah. Um, well, because as long as your vehicle is fine, I think you, and right. you know what, how to control it and stuff. Essentially right? the vehicle that they take, it like deploys some landers to the bottom of the ocean. And then it's essentially like a glorified elevator ride. Oh. A four-hour-long elevator ride, by the way. <laughs> it's a four-hour-long trip to the bottom. Wow. Um, but you just kind of just go down. And then they I think they stayed down there for an hour and a half and then went back up. And, like, they had lunch at the bottom, <laughs> which just sounds so cool. <laughs> they had a picnic at the bottom yeah. of the ocean. With, like, tuna salad, sa- salad sandwiches, which, well, but... <laughs> Just like Still just the thinking idea about of like it. you could be crushed or something like if something went goes wrong like oh yeah so you would easily, be like yeah if if something like cracked or something something just in like, the system that is protecting you from the pressure you would just be obliterated yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's a di- totally different like that compared to like in space where it's like you have a little bit of time I just. <laughs> You have a you little have bit of time, time in space if something goes some wrong. Time. If something goes wrong, there's some kind of like a little bit of a grace plans, period. If that means. <laughs> but the bottom of the ocean, but the bottom of the ocean, you just go, you just. I feel like it would in, into oblivion. In like one second, it just Gone. be like just like you don't nothing. exist anymore. Oh yeah, like you, it, it, yeah. you're erased from history. <laughs> you're so gone. You're ripped from the t- time space time continuum. <laughs> Did this say? There's actually been were, thousands of people who have gone down here, and we just don't remember any. And of we them. just we don't remember any of them because they were just erased from everything. Like that's the power of that. Um, did the article talk about like were they trying to take measurements of any kind, or yeah, so or every, like look at creatures or something like that? Um, there wasn't like a particular goal with this mission. It, this is a private company that organizes this, so okay. it was more like it's kind of like just a because. expensive vacation. Yeah. Um. Uh. But. They, every time that they go down, they do collect samples and things just as part of the of the trip. Mm-hmm. Like the, the it takes readings and that kind of thing while they're down there. And cool. Um, so it it is providing some scientific knowledge, and I'm sure they use the vehicle for scientific exploration oh, yeah. as well. I'm and, sure. And it wasn't clear from the pictures like how much you could see outside. Like I know you. Yeah, because I'm wondering could, that too, she, was like... des- she was describing like the watercolor changing as hmm. she like ascended and descended, um, but. Uh, otherwise, they, she didn't really describe like any creatures or anything that they saw, which is always what I find the most fascinating about the yeah, deep I find ocean. that fascinating. I don't well. know if anything can actually live 
that far down. I think, yeah, there's stuff that lives Does that far down. Is there stuff down there? I thought. At like the 35,000 feet? I mean, I, 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 I have no know. idea. Okay, my next story is entertainment news. This is from Gizmodo, and I really enjoyed the headline of this one. It's, Holy Zwarovski, Batman. <clears throat> In recent years... Oh, that's the headline. That's the headline. <laughs> that's the whole headline. <laughs> I thought that was like an exclamation, and then there was going to be... No, that's it. Okay. <laughs> that's the whole headline. <laughs> it doesn't tell you anything. <laughs> no, it's just Swarovski and Batman. Um, it's totally uninformative. Okay. <laughs> Um, in recent years, Swarovski has gone, this is the author's words, overboard with its crystal creations, <laughs> turning everything from frozen characters to superheroes into collectibles that look like precious gemstones with a faceted finish that emulates the shape and appearance of diamonds and sapphires. Well, now they've done it again and created an almost $600 crystal Batmobile replica uh, the six-inch Batmobile features over 473 facets in its design. Like, do you know what I mean by that when I say facets? Yeah, like the those like like the, the surfaces. flat surfaces that reflect light and make yes. it look all sparkly. Yes, it has 473 facets like on it, and it's a Batmobile. And it's six hundred dollars, and it's six hundred dollars, hundred dollars an inch, and it's six. Yes, so it's a hundred dollars an inch. <laughs> that's that's insane. <laughs> um, the. Uh, $600 crystal Batmobile isn't the most lavish bat vehicle that Swarovski offers. That honor goes to a 10-inch $11,500 Batmobile replica covered in over 16,000 individual crystals. Giving it this was good they said this giving it a sparkling look that will certainly help Batman slip through the night undetected. <laughs> Hey, at night, if there's not, like, light reflecting off a of thing, maybe if he's driving in a pitch black area, like in a f- cornfield. Yeah, field. then you <laughs> Maybe if he's driving in a cornfield. <laughs> then he'll be totally hidden still. Just a car covered in crystals. Um, and corn. So they're only producing 200 of these. So if you want to buy one of these, um, you I need don't. to act fast. Um, they think a lot of uh, Batman fans... They called them bat fans. I don't know if that's a real thing. I hope it's not. Um, they think a lot of. They think they're going to go quickly for people that are fans of Batman. So how would they distinguish themselves from fans of regular bats? I don't know. Hmm. Um, just a just a thought. You could call yourself a buffan. Could you? <laughs> I'm just trying to think of an alternative. A buffan. It just sounds like a fan of buffoons. So anyway, even if you're not interested in a Batmobile, there's other collectibles made of crystal. If you're the type of person that wants that in your possession. What is the crystal so, again? Is it just like glass? I, that's a good question. <laughs> I think it's it's some type of man-made crystal material. Right. It's like like probably some type of glass. or something? I don't think it's just that because if it was... It wouldn't be so expensive. I don't actually know the answer to that question. Huh. All right. It's time for breaking news. The part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today and we read them to you on the fly. Quibi now supports Chromecast. <laughs> Ready, set, go! go! <laughs> All right. I found this on The Verge. 
Twitter would like you to actually read stories before you retweet them. <laughs> okay, that's probably good. <laughs> they're introducing a feature to support this. They're not just making that general statement. Oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I realized just now reading that headline that that could just be interpreted as Twitter has an opinion on how. Uh, so on Wednesday, that is today when we're recording, Twitter announced that it will begin testing a new feature that will prompt users to think before they tweet articles they haven't read. Uh, the test is currently limited to Android users in English. They're probably going to roll it out to more people eventually. If a user decides to retweet an article before reading it, Twitter may prompt them to open it before they do so, which, you know, you probably should. That's Well, it, it, okay, interesting. I'll ask questions at the end. Okay. Uh, the test is just the latest from Twitter in an effort to curb misinformation and encourage meaningful discussions on the platform. Last month, they launched a test that allowed users to limit who can reply to their tweets um, and in recent months, Twitter has rolled out additional features like the ability to hide specific replies in tweets that are just like all meant to cut down on negativity and mm-hmm. spreading bad information, that kind of thing. So it's good. Yeah. Did it seem like like is it will it keep people from spreading it without it clicking it, or, or is it just going like to prompt you like, you. hey, you might want to like, just hey, read you're re- this first? <laughs> hey, you're retweeting this without actually clicking the article. Yeah. Like, Maybe you should take a look. I don't know what the I actual like message that. says. I think it makes a lot of sense. That makes a ton of sense. Because I, you know, there's a ton of people who just see like a headline. They're just like, blast that off into Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Um, and that's how things spread so quickly. And a couple then, of, <laughs> I think this was like two years ago, maybe um, on NPR's, either like their Facebook page or something like that. Um, they posted this article on April Fool's Day, and the headline was like, you know, new research shows that, like, people don't read nearly as much as they used to. It was, like, something like that. But then if you actually, like, clicked into the article, it was like, this is an April Fool's joke. You know, if you actually clicked and are actually reading the text here, please like our, like, post. Um, Do not comment on the post. Like, this way we'll see if people comment that, like, they didn't actually read this thing. Right. And there were, like, all these comments <laughs> on it of people being like, this isn't true. Everyone reads now. And, like, like arguing against it and Everyone stuff. Everyone reads now. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was so genius and funny. Yeah. And they said that they did it because they were getting the feeling that people were, like, commenting on things without actually reading it. Mm-hmm. Or sharing things or, you know, you know, like, not actually reading the article, just looking at a headline and making a judgment. Yeah. And it, they Which, proved it. Right, yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was so, like, That's cool funny. to see, like, concrete proof of that, because I definitely feel like I've, I know I've seen comments from people where it's like, you clearly didn't even read the first paragraph yeah. of this article, where yeah. they literally answer the question you're asking, or, right. the, like, counter the statement you're making. Right. And it just... Right. It was it was clear proof of that, and it was just so funny mm-hmm. to see that, but, um, yeah, so that, I think that is a problem. I think that's an interesting uh, method there for yeah. Twitter to use to try to combat that. Okay, I found something on usatoday.com. The headline is, Angler is in awe as ginormous great white shark circles boat. And uh, basically, these people were fishing, and a giant, giant great white shark, like, came up and started circling their boat, and they got it on video. And they just, there's a video of a giant great white shark circling their boat. Like, it didn't do anything, but... I mean, like I don't think they, they typically don't do anything to people on boats. That's like movie stuff. <laughs> right. Like, like the movie Jaws is like not actually a realistic mm-hmm. shark behavior. Um, 
But yeah, and uh, they were saying one of them thinks that it was a female that was pregnant, actually, because of how big the shark was. But oh, so it was they just don't like know. Very but, large in uh-huh. all dimensions. Yes, um, and then the um, someone in the in the video in the background, someone is saying like, "That's the biggest shark I've ever seen." It's like all these guys that have like fished a lot and stuff. Like they mm-hmm. think that was like the captain of this boat or whatever. Like it's huge. Anyway, there's a video. That's it. Do they um, have an estimate of how big it is? Or They do. Um, Click Orlando, I don't know who that is, report, reported. <laughs> Wait, that's a person? Oh, it's a no, website. No, a website. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I misread this. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, it's I'm Click sorry, Orlando. Okay. And I'm here to... <laughs> That'd be such a great name to have. Are you kidding me? Like, you could be so a be great, a TV persona. But yeah, like a news or like anchor. A, or a yeah, either a news anchor or like a a YouTube celebrity or something. Click, Click Orlando. Click Orlando. <laughs> no, it was a website and they reported that experts who, I don't know who have estimated that the shark was 15 feet long and weighed 2000 pounds. Oh my, Oh my God. That's so big. Yeah. Um, and if you look in like one part of the video, it actually like the, the people on the boat put like fish into the water. Because mm-hmm. I think they actually wanted it to, like, come up, like, by the surface. So they could get a better look at it because it was just, you know, it was, like, kind of, like, just circling. Right. And it does. It, like, goes up and you can see its face and it, like, opens up its mouth and stuff. And I'm just like, why did they do that? I mean, it, again, it, it it's wasn't, It's not like, going to actually do anything. It wasn't doing anything. It just was, like, trying to, like, get the fish or whatever. But, like, it's scary looking. So, yeah, there's a video of it. Um, if you fast forward to, like, three minutes in, that's when the shark gets, like, up close. Oh. The rest of it's just, like, the fin. Like, it's, like, circling their boat. <laughs> anyway. All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday. And as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knickknacknews and on Twitter at at knickknacknews. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.